the premise in our scripture for this series and, 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 and the scripture we're basing our whole series off is faith without works is dead. Faith without works is dead. And the thing you got to understand about faith is it won't work if you don't. It won't work if you don't. And the thing, the thing that the church has got, we got the faith thing now. I'm trusting God. I'm believing in God. I'm believing on God. I'm believing God to come. I'm believing for God to bless my family. But God is saying that all throughout the Bible, you would see the principle of preparation. And God said, don't declare for what you're not willing to prepare for. God is saying you can have all the faith in the world, but if you don't have no works, the Spirit of God won't move. And all throughout the Bible, I saw something so crazy. Every miracle has instruction attached to it. Every miracle has instruction attached to it because it's us following the instructions that validate our faith. And some of you guys are saying, I have faith. No, you don't. You don't have faith. You have doubt. You don't have faith because if you have faith, you would walk in faith. You would move. You would do something. You would serve someone. You would make space for what God is about to do. You don't truly have faith because faith requires movement. My question for you is in 2022, would you move into the things of God? Not just pray about them, not just declare about them, not just dance about them, not just shout about them. Would you move into the things of God? And if your answer is yes, you will see the manifestation of heaven. You will see the glory of God hit your life and you will see the spirit of God release blessing all throughout your life. But you have to move in it. If you have your Bibles, go to 2 Kings chapter 3. 2 Kings chapter 3, I'm going to show you a couple things. Second Kings chapter 3. It says, So the king of Israel went with the king of Judah and the king of Edom, and they marched on that roundabout route seven days and there was no water for the army nor for the animals that followed them and the king of Israel said at last for the Lord has called these three kings together to deliver them in the hands of Moab or Moab verse 11 but Jehoshaphat said is there no prophet of the Lord here that we may inquire of the Lord by him so one of the servants of the king of Israel answered and said, Elisha, the son of Shaphat, some people say Snapchat, but it's Shaphat, <laughs> is here who poured water on the hands of Elijah. Now, Elijah is, is very, very, he's very famous. They know Elijah. Elijah done some crazy things, called down fire on Mount Carmel. I mean, Elijah, there was a little cloud and rain began to come. So they're like, hey, this guy was connected with Elijah. Elijah threw his cloak, so he's supposed to have a double portion. When there was a famine, Elijah brought rain. Can we get Elisha, his mentee over here? Let's see what he got. I don't know if he got the same anointing, but we need to see what he got because we're thirsty, we're dehydrated, we're in a famine, and we don't have anything to drink for us or our livestock, and we're finna go into battle. So verse 12 said, and Jehoshaphat said, the word of the Lord is with him. So the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat and the king of Edom went down to him. Then Elisha said to the king of Israel, what have I to do with you? In other words, he said, I'm beefing with you, homie. Are we beefing? Then he said, go to the prophets of your fathers, your father and the prophet of your mother. In other words, Jezebel and Ahab 
was the king of Israel's mother and father. So Elisha said, your parents did my mentor Elijah in. They tried to kill him. They chased him out. I don't got nothing to do with you. Go to your little false prophet, Sabel. I'm not helping you. But then the king of Israel said to him, no, for the Lord has called these three kings together to deliver them into the hands of Moab. And then it says, verse 14, and Elisha said, as the Lord of hosts lives before whom I stand, surely, surely were were it not that I regard the presence of Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, I will not look at you nor see you, but now bring me a musician. So in other words, he's saying, I don't like you. I don't have nothing to do with you. I'm not here for you. However, I regard King Jehoshaphat, and he's a man of God. I regard him. I'm here for him. And In other words, the reason why the man of God and the blessing of God and the word of God and the provision of God showed up is because there was Jehoshaphat. There was a man representing the other kings and the people. If that man wasn't there, they wouldn't have been saved because the prophet wouldn't have came. And we see the same thing in our lives. There's a man named Jesus. And because of Jesus, the spirit of God shows up. Because of Jesus, the father shows up. Because of Jesus, Jairus shows up. And he's saying, I'm going to provide for you not because your goodness or your worth. I'm providing for you because of Jehovah Jireh in his connection to Jesus. It's not about you. It's about Jesus. And because of my commitment to Jesus, I am here to see him. I want you to know something. God is not here on your behalf. You have fallen and fallen short of the glory. God is here for Jesus. God made a covenant with Jesus. And you are a recipient of that covenant because you're in Christ. You get outside of Christ, you don't have one with the covenant. You're detached from the covenant. So he said, bring me a musician. Then it happened when a musician played that the hand of the Lord came upon him. And he said, thus says the Lord, make this valley full of ditches. For thus says the Lord, you shall not see wind nor you see rain. Yet that the valley will be full of water so that you, your cattle, and your animals may drink. And this is a simple manner in the sight of the Lord. He will also deliver the Moabites into your hand. Also, you shall attack every fortified city and every choice city and shall cut down every good tree and stop up every spring of water and ruin every good piece of land with stones. Let me exegete this scripture and break it down. The first thing we see here is these kings are in trouble. Three kings, they came together, they, jo they joined, and they're fighting the Moab army. They're coming to fight against them. And the reason why they're fighting against the Moab army is because when the king of Israel, father, passed, they said, I had a covenant with him. I did not have a covenant with you. I'm not giving you anything that belongs to you. Deals off. Your father's dead. And at this point, they don't have anything. They don't have resources or provision, so they're going to war. Because the king of Israel was weak, he joined with two other kings to go to war against Moab. And he's going to war against Moab, but their livestock don't have anything to drink. They're dehydrated. There's no water. I'm going to tell you something. You can't win a war thirsty. You can't win a war thirsty. And some of you guys are trying to fight against the enemy. Some of you guys are trying to fight in the spirit and you're thirsty. And God says, if you're thirsty and you're not filled by me, you're not going to be able to withstand the enemy. You're not going to be able to fight in the spirit because you're thirsty. You have to be filled. And in order for battle, they would need to be filled. So now they're coming together to get filled. Now check this out, guys. Check this out. They're coming together. They feel like they're going to die. And then at that point, the prophet Elisha said, bring me a musician. Bring me a musician. Do we got a musician? Is even around here? Can I get a musician? Can somebody bring me a musician? I'm going to show you what happened. 
Bring me a musician. Bring me one. So he called for a musician. So he's in trouble. There's a battle. There's a war. There's a fight. And the first thing he called for was a musician. Why would he call for a musician? Why would that be his first line of defense? The reason why he called for a musician is whenever you're in battle, whenever you're in the spirit, whenever you're walking in vision, the first thing you have to do is prioritize the presence of God. Let me say it again. The first thing you have to do is prioritize the presence of God. And the first thing he called for was the presence of God, the glory of God, the hand of God. Your vision starts with the presence. Let me say it again. Your vision starts with the presence. It starts with the presence. Some of you guys are writing a vision board. Some of you guys are on Facebook looking up stuff. Some of you guys are looking up all kinds of different things, and God is saying the vision starts with the presence. If you want to walk into the vision of God, in the call of God, in the glory of God, you have to first prioritize the presence of God. My question for you is do you prioritize his presence? Do you spend time in his presence? Because the presence of God will speak to you. The presence of God will give you a word. The presence of God will give you direction. The presence of God will guide you. He prioritized the presence of God. And when you're in the presence of God, God begins to speak. God begins to share. God begins to give visions. God begins to show you things. Preparation starts in the presence. My question for you, over 22, have you practiced the presence? Have you prayed to God? What did God tell you to do? Because the scripture says, many are the plans in a man's heart, but the Lord's purposes will prevail. Has God given you a vision? Because if God didn't give you a vision, he will not provide for it. There will be no provision. God will not send a miracle for a plan he didn't come up with. So what you got to do, child of God, daughter of God, son of God, is you got to go before the presence of God. And why did he call a musician? It's because a musician ushers in the presence. When you're dealing with a problem, don't start calling people. When you're dealing with a problem, don't get on Facebook and start sharing it. When you deal with a problem, call the presence. And when you begin to call the presence and you pray in the presence, and you pray in the Spirit, the Lord will begin to give you vision. He will give you a fresh word. And some of your problems, the secret to your problems is in the presence. Don't let prayer be your last resort. Let prayer be your first response. The moment the devil is in front of me, I'm going to prioritize the presence. The moment I'm in a storm, I'm going to prioritize the presence. The moment I'm lost, I'm going to prioritize the presence. The moment I get into 2022, I don't know what God wants me to do. I'm not going to think about it. I'm not going to research. I'm not going to Google it. I'm going to spend time in the presence of God. And when God tells me what to do, I'll do it. When God tells me where to go, I'll go. When God tells me what to speak, I'll speak. And when God gives me instruction... I'll follow it. I'll prioritize the presence. And let's be honest, church. Let's get real here. You don't do this. You don't do this. You ain't prayed about 2022. You didn't pray about what God wants you to do in your business. You didn't pray about what God wants you to do in the church. You started thinking and not prioritizing the presence. The man of God, his first response to calamity was the presence of God. And as the music is playing and the presence of God is here, things is easier. They're smoother. You can hear there's a clarity that comes in the presence. 
And when the presence of God is there, you can talk with God in the cool of the day like Adam and Eve did in the garden. And he will make everything so clear. I'm telling you, mountains melt like wax in the presence of the Lord. And the first thing you have to do when you're looking for vision or you have pain or a storm, you prioritize the presence. Thank you, CJ. I appreciate it. So the man of God prioritized the presence. And I want to show you something so powerful. After he prioritized the presence, the first thing the Spirit of the Lord did was say, he said, dig ditches. The Spirit of the Lord said, dig ditches. Wait, wait, God, we have a problem. God, we have a famine. God, we're thirsty. God, we don't have anything to drink. And instead of God saying, God, I'll provide for you, instead of God bringing water, instead of God sending the rain, the first thing God said is, dig ditches. Now, why did God ask them to dig ditches? Because God says, I am not showing up for people that won't work in faith. I'm not showing up for people that won't work in faith. So the first thing God did was gave them instructions because without instruction, you can't have faith. Let me say it again. Without instruction, you can't have faith. So God gave them instructions, and the first thing he said is, I'm going to need you to start digging ditches. I'm going to need you to start digging ditches. Can someone give me my shovel? The first thing the Spirit of the Lord spoke and said to these people that was in the famine, he said, dig ditches. Dig ditches. In other words, God said, if you want me to bring water, I need you to start digging. If you want me to bring provision, I need you to start digging. If you want me to bring my presence, I need you to start digging. If you want me to help you in this battle, I need you to start digging. If you want me to bless your kids, I need you to start digging. If you want me to move in your life, I need you to start digging. God says, I can't bless what you won't dig. I can't bless what you won't dig. And many of you guys are not seeing the blessing of God in the water of God because you don't have any ditches. Now, I want to show you something so powerful in the Bible. God asked them to dig while they were in the valley. The valley is the lowest part of the mountain. So they are at their lowest point. Some of you guys are at your lowest point. Some of you guys are broken. You feel like you don't have enough. You're hurting. You're crushed. You want to give up, and you're at your lowest point. And God says, you're not low enough. I need you to get low, get low. I need you to start digging because you're not low enough. I need you to go lower because you have to go really, really low if you want the most high to show up. Let me say it again. You have to go really, really low if you want the most high. High to show up. And in their valley, God says, you're not low enough. I need you to go lower. So God told them to start digging ditches. Now, what you'll notice about this scripture is God never told them the amount of ditches to dig. God didn't say dig three ditches and I'll fill them. He didn't say dig 3,000. In other words, God says, I'll fill however many ditches you dig. If you dig 3,000 ditches, I'll fill them. If you dig 3 million ditches, I'll fill them. If you dig 3 billion ditches, I will fill them because you will run out of ditches before I run out of water. Let me say it again. You will run out of ditches before I run out of water. And God says, you're not seeing the blessing of God in your life because there's no ditches. And right here, we have a shovel. And let me tell you something. Could it be... What you're calling the devil, could it be the shovel? 
Could you be calling the shovel the devil? And you're saying I'm in a low place and I'm getting lower and I'm digging. It's the devil. And God could be saying it's the shovel because I need you to go lower so I can lift you up higher. In life, always understand when it's the shovel, not the devil. Because a lot of what you're calling the devil is the process, is the pruning, is the cutting and the clipping and trimming. What you're calling the devil is God in disguise. God says, you going lower isn't the devil, it's the shovel. And God said, you're going to have to dig. If you want to see the glory of God in Texas County, you're going to have to dig. If you want to see the glory of God in your family, you're going to have to dig. If you want to see the glory of God at your job, you have to dig. And sometimes digging is praying. Praying is digging in the spirit. When you begin to pray, that's how you dig in the spirit. Reading the word of God is how you dig. When you open up that Bible, you start digging into the things of God. When you spend time in the presence of God, you start digging. The digging didn't start when they started digging ditches. The digging started the moment Elisha called the musician. Because he started digging in the spirit before he started digging in the physical. The first place God is calling you to dig from is the spiritual realm. Have you been digging in the spirit? Because there is a spiritual openness that's going to be required for your destiny to go forth. Are you willing to dig? I want to show you something. I want to show you something. God said, you won't see rain or wind. You won't see rain or wind. In other words, he said, when I provide, you won't know where the water came from. You won't know where the water came from. You, you won't even be able to understand because I'm not going to bring you something natural. I'm not going to bring you something you can see. I'm not going to bring you something that makes sense. But if it don't make sense, don't be afraid because it will make faith. And God says, when I give you a word and you start digging, I'm going to bring you something you can't even comprehend or fathom. God says, you won't see rain, you won't see wind, but you will see water. You got to dig. Even when you don't feel like digging, you got to dig. When you're tired, you have to dig. Now, my question is, church, why did God ask us to dig? The reason why God asks us to dig is because the highest form of preparation is making space for the miracle. The highest form of preparation is making space for the miracle. And God says, you're not seeing the miracle in your life because there's no space for the miracle. You're not seeing it because there's no space. God is saying, there has to be space for the miracle. Are you making room? Are you making room for the miracle? God is saying, in other words... You're praying for a new house, and your old one's dirty. You're not making room for a new house. God says you need to clean the house that I've blessed you with while you're believing for me to bless you with a better one. God is saying you're praying for a business, and you're late at your job. God is saying I'm not going to give somebody that's late to their job a business. You have to make room. And when you make room, God will make a way. Let me say it again. When you make room, God will make a way. Come on, somebody give God a shout of praise. So God is saying, you have to make space. And my question for you is, are you making space for the things of God? What are you believing God for? What are you believing him for? Whatever you believe in God for, make space for it. Make space for it. If you believe in God for a ministry, make space for it. If you believe in God, if you believe in God to send you around the world to share the gospel, make space for it. Are you making space for the things of God? So one of the things I was believing God for 
was to be a full-time pastor. I was believing God for it. I was praying for it. And in the month of December, I started making space for it. God was like, your schedule was all out of order. I can't make you, I can't put you in a full-time ministry with your schedule out of order. Sometimes you wake up at this time. Sometimes you wake up at that time. Some days you do this. Some days you do that. There's no order and regimen to your life. I can't put you in ministry full-time because you didn't make space for it. And then I said, God, you know what? I'm going to start working and making space for the miracle. I'm going to get up at the same time. I'm going to go to bed at the same time. I'm about to change and be transformed because if you want to see God move in your life, you got to evolve. you got to evolve. God is saying you haven't evolved. Let me tell you why many of you guys never see the blessing of God. Do you know most people never change? Most people never change. You can't keep showing up to church the same way you've always been. Some of you guys today are struggling with what you struggled with in 2015. Some of you guys today are struggling with what you struggled with in 2010. And God is saying, you have to change. In the month of December, I said, God, how can I prepare for what you're calling me to do? Because God said, I'm calling you to do ministry. I'm going to sing your voice around the world. I'm going to make your name great. I'm calling you to this place. I said, God, what can I do? He said, add order and structure in your life. And if the Lord is willing, I don't want you to ever be late anywhere. I want you to be on top of everything. And I want you to, I want you to walk into a spirit of excellence. Well, I'm more of the spirit of, okay, what time y'all going to be there? Are y'all going to be there at 7 or 7.10? Like, like, what time does it actually start? Like, I don't know what time. Okay, I know you said we are at 7, but if we start at 7.18, I can hear at 7.17. Like, I'm that dude. And then the Lord said, no, no, you were that dude. You're the dude that shows up early now. And if you work this, I'll work the miracle. If you work this, I'll work the miracle. And the Lord gave me instruction, and in one day, I changed. I changed one day. One day, I just changed. I started coming to everything early. I started getting up early, going to bed on time. I changed. Because if you're not willing to evolve, if you're not willing to shift and change, you would never see destiny. Some of you guys are saying, you know what? I don't like people. God said, I need you to like people today. And you're going to say, I need time. And God said, okay, I need time for this miracle then. God is saying, hey, I need you to work harder. And you're saying, well, God, I need time to build it up. God says, great. Let me know when you're ready. Let me know when you're ready. God is saying, in other words, I got unlimited water. There's your shovel. Dig ditches. The ones you dig are the ones I feel. The ones you dig are the ones I feel. So everything you don't have in life is not God's fault. It's yours. There's a dead monkey on the line, and it ain't coming from heaven. It's coming from earth. So quit blaming God. And some of you guys need to quit talking to God. Because God already told you what to do. He already gave you instruction. When God said dig the ditches, if they never dug a ditch, they would have never drank. And some of you guys know the ditch that God has called you to dig. You have to make preparations. And sometimes you have to do some things to get yourself prepared for preparations. Some of you men in here, you got women problems. You need to set an alarm Every hour on your phone that says, don't text her, bro. Because you're going to forget every hour. I got an alarm on my phone. It says, go home. 
Because I'm going to work, and I just won't go home until I'm done working. It says, go home. I got another alarm on my phone that says, go eat. I got another alarm that says, prep for bed. I got another alarm that says, turn everything off, including me. And those are the things I have to do to go to bed on time because I'm a workaholic. Man, when I get fired up about something, I work all night. I'm telling you, I will work you under the table. Don't line up with me. I will outwork you. I'm going to tell you why. Because I came from nothing. And I know what it's like to be hungry. And I know what it's like to be homeless. And I don't ever want to go back to that place. And when I have work, I'll work it because I know what it's like to be broken. And God's saying some of you need to get hungry for the things of God. You need to stretch out and start digging ditches. You got to start digging ditches. And sometimes your ditches aren't aggressive. Sometimes they're finesse. My ditch was sleep. God says, I'm not giving you more responsibility if you don't get sleep at night. And my ditch was going to bed on time. That was my ditch. What is yours? Some of you guys are believing for God to send you a spouse. God said, I'm not sending you no spouse. Why would I do that to them? I love them. I'm not doing that to them. I gave you nine instructions you didn't follow, and you're believing for a spouse? Are you crazy? You can declare all you want. You're going to be single until you dig the ditch. And many of us live under this lie that when it come, I'll, I'll get it together. You know, the lie I used to tell myself, when I got hired at the church, I'll get up then. I'll get things in order then. God said, you will never get hired until you get up. And you won't get the, I'm not saying you won't get it. You won't get the blessing of God because the Bible says the blessing of God makes one rich and has no sorrow. You can get rich on your own, but it's going to come with sorrow. It's going to come with a price and a penalty. But God says, if I do it, there's no sorrow attached to it. But I ain't giving you nothing that you don't get my way. Dig your ditches. And the beautiful thing is when they start digging ditches, God gave them exceedingly abundantly above all that they can ask, think, or imagine. Because guess what God did? God, they prayed for provision. And God gave them provision, but then he gave the Moab army into their hands. God says, I don't want to just give you provision. I also want to give you deliverance. He didn't just provide for them. He delivered them. And God is saying, if you start digging your ditches, not only will I provide for you, I will deliver you because you got some things in you. I want to get out. And I don't want to get those things out just because I'm God and I'm holy. I want, to get those, I want to get those things out because you won't make it to the next dimension with those things. You won't make it. So God is saying, I want to get these things out of your life. I want to remove them. And if you would allow me to do that, you will see my hand in a way you've never seen it. If you have your Bibles, go to Proverbs chapter 28. I'll give you guys a second to get there. Proverbs 28. You guys enjoying this so far? I'm almost done, by the way. God gave me a really simple message for you guys today. He said, hey, dig ditches, make space, and I'll fill those ditches. I'll fill them up. Try God. Try him. Faith without works is dead. Your work to your faith is digging a ditch. You dig it, got to fill it. Whatever ditch that is, whatever you're believing for, prepare for it, make space for it, and watch God fill it. It's crazy. 2022. 
Everything I prepare for at the end of 2021, God filled in my life. Every single thing. Some of you guys got to change. You got to change now. You got to change quick. You got to evolve. You have to change. You got to get it together. What you're struggling with, you got to pull it off. You have to do it now. The day is today because procrastination is believing you can do tomorrow what God has anointed you to do today. Procrastination is believing you can do tomorrow what God has anointed you to do today. Today is the day of salvation. Your moment is now. Proverbs 28, verse 19, it says, Those who work their land will have abundant food, but those who chase fantasies will have their fill of poverty. That's so good. It's so good. Let me read it again. Those who work their land will have abundant food, but those who chase fantasies will have their fill of poverty. In other words, church, God is saying that the reason why you're not being blessed, the reason why you're not seeing the vision, the reason why you're not prospering is because you're not working your land. Working your land, your land is what God has put under your feet. Church, that's your land. Whatever you have, that's your land. God says you have to work that. You have to work your land. Maybe you're just greeting. God is saying work your land. Maybe you're ushering. God is saying work your land. God said you have to work what I put under your feet. And he said if you keep chasing fantasies, poverty will set on you. And fantasies is where you want to be. Fantasies is, God, I want to do this. God, I want to be here. God, I want to be there. God, I want to start the business. God is saying there's nothing wrong with that, but you can't chase there until you work here. You can't chase there until you work here. You can't be infatuated with next that you neglect now. God is saying you got to work what's in front of you. What is God giving you? You got to work that. Who cares about what you want? Who cares about where you're going? Who cares about where you're going to arrive at? God says you have to work the current season. You have to work the current season. You have to work today to get till tomorrow. And the children of Israel wandered through the wilderness forever because they would never take serious where God placed them. Are you taking serious where God has placed you? Do you know that every test you don't pass, you repeat? Every test you don't pass, you repeat them. The punishment of failure is repetition. Let me say it again. The punishment of failure is repetition. In other words, God says, you had Jake. You couldn't pull it together. So what I did was I let you and Jake break up, and then I sent the same principle in Deontay. And you had Deontay, and it happened again. Then I sent the same principle in Tom. And then I sent the same principle in Jacob. Why? You're going to keep running into this until you Beat it. And now you work at Walmart and you're dealing with the same thing working at Burlington because God is letting that principle follow you. That principle will follow you all the days of your life until you crush it. But if you don't crush that principle, it's going to keep crushing you. That's why when I counsel people, it's almost comical because they're like, well, when I was here, I went through this and I was at this church and they did this to me. Then I went to this church and I went to this place and I went here. And it's like, <laughs> at some point, you're going to have to realize that you are the common denominator. It's you. It has always been you. It, it's you. And until you get it, you'll always repeat it. Repetition is the curse for failing. 
You're going to keep going through the same thing until you beat it. Beat it. I'm telling you, for me, when my sleep schedule, I'll fix it, then I'll go back. Fix it, go back. And God said, all right, you want to sit on this hamster wheel? Have at it. Have at it. But until you lock your feet down, you're not going to see the release of heaven. I'm telling some of you guys, you got to lock your feet down. Get positioned for battle. Get positioned for the things of God. Lock your legs down. And if you start beating these tests that God put before you, you will see the blessing of God. Some of you guys still don't got no money. You still broke. How do you broke after 10 years? Like, dude, you've been broke for 20 years. If you just save $5 a week, you would have something. Why are you still broke? You get a new job, you're broke. We get a promotion, you're broke. You get income tax, you're broke. Do you just broke? And the reason why you're broke is because you are going to every new dimension. And you're bringing that same poverty spirit, that same lack of stewardship, that, that same mindset, that same spirit of waste, that same lack of stewardship, and you're continuously broke. Poverty is a mindset. There's nothing wrong with not having enough, but when you don't have enough, it affects you, your family, your mind, your heart. It crushes you, and God didn't intend for you to live that way. I'm not, I'm not making the claim God wants to make you rich because he shouldn't. God is a good God, and if he made you rich, that would make him a bad God because Lord knows you don't need no money. However, let me give you the will of God. When you look at the garden, you see that provision surrounded Eden. God's will. But he can't give you nothing because you waste it. God don't pour water in people's hands That's, and causes it to spill. He, swore, he pours water in ditches. He gives to those who have the proper containment to retain it. And if you don't have that, God can't give to you. So I'm trying to tell you, you have to change. I know they preach, love God and have faith and Jesus died for you. Yes, that's all true and it's all good. But you have to start growing in the spirit of God. A spirit of maturity has to hit you. Like, do you believe God or not? Do you trust God or not? You have to decide. You can't, be, you can't have one foot in the kingdom. If you want to be in the kingdom, you got to 100% do it the kingdom way. What's in other words, when you have a problem, the first thing you do is you go to the presence of God. The second thing you do, you get instruction. The third thing you do, you start digging ditches. And then when you do that, God starts filling ditches. If you can't follow that, God can't bless you. God, I don't have enough for the business. Tied in church. No, thank you. God's saying, okay, can't bless you. Can't bless you. Can't trust you. You're a whole criminal. Like when Michael Jackson wrote Smooth Criminal, he was talking about you. Stealing from God. He legit wrote this song for you, and you think God's going to bless you? Like seriously, church, we have to get serious about the things that we have to obey. Obedience is better than sacrifice. We have to obey the Lord. Obey him and he'll bless you. Right here, I want to show you something else. I'm going to get ready to close as my keyboard player comes up. It says, the wise store up choice foods and olive oil. But fools gulp theirs down. The wise store up choice foods and olive oil. But fools gulp theirs down. God is saying, if you're gulping down everything I give you, not only are you broke, not only are you in poverty, you're also a fool. I didn't say that. Don't you say, Pastor KJ called you a fool. I did not. The Lord said that. That was not me. 
Now, I may have thought it, but I did not say it. I just read the Bible there. But it also said, the wise store up choice foods in olive oil. The wise. Are you wise? God is saying you have to have a spirit of wisdom about you. If you are wise and you begin to save and you begin to store up things and you begin to dig ditches and you begin to prioritize the presence and you begin to change, you will see the glory of God on your life. You will see the blessing of God on your life. You will see your vision come to fruition. You will see it happen. I love this story, but there's this man and he was talking about he was trusting and believing God for a car. And he prayed every day for a year over the car. And he said when he prayed, he never stopped to listen to God. He just told God what he wanted. And then finally he said, he was talking to somebody, and they was like, have you ever listened to God and heard what God said about you getting the car? He said, I mean, that's a good idea. No, I ain't never listened to God. I just told God what I wanted. And then he went and prayed, and he began to sit in the presence of God and listen. And then God said, the driveway, the driveway, the driveway. The driveway, and he kept hearing the driveway, the driveway, the driveway. He was like, what is going on with the driveway? So he ran outside like, I must got a new car in the driveway. And when he gets out there, the old car's in the driveway. There's oil spill all over the driveway. Leaves everywhere. Car got pollen all over it. And the Lord said, the driveway. And then he said, it finally hit him. He had a eureka moment. The Lord was saying, I can't bring a new car because you have a cluttered driveway. This car has pollen, oil, leaves, and I'm not sending a blessing to this environment. You need to make space. The Lord was saying, clear the driveway. He said he got that car towed. He cleaned up the oil. He sweeped off the leaves. And in two weeks, God brought him a car he didn't pay for. What is the driveway in your life? What is sitting in your life? that it's causing God to not be able to bring something better? Who's sitting on your couch that God can't bring somebody else to sit in that place? Who are you texting that God can't make space for, for you to text someone else? The driveway. The driveway. What are you doing with your time that God can't make more time for? God said, I can't give you a vision or a business or a purpose because Netflix occupied that space. And until you remove Netflix, I can't give you more. What do you need to get out of your driveway? And this is practical, guys. I don't have lofty words for you today. I just have application. Application. Make space. Clear your driveway. And watch God fill this space.